Welcome to episode nine of the Work Redefined podcast, where we believe your employees are your company's most valuable asset. We are all navigating uncharted waters right now and need to bridge the generational gap. For the first time in history, there are five generations in the workforce who all view the world differently. Our goal is to help leaders look at work through a new lens so they can help elevate their business and really retain their talent. I'm so excited today to be joined by Nicole Phillips. Nicole is a champion for using kindness and she even has her own podcast, The Kindness Podcast, which actually received the honor in 2021 of being named by Oprah Magazine as one of the top three happiness podcasts. You also may have seen Nicole on Hallmark Channel's Home and Family Show, HGTV's House Hunters, or on The Price is Right, where she actually won a car. Nicole is the author of three books and is married to her childhood crush, who is a very handsome college men's basketball coach. The couple lives in Aberdeen, South Dakota with their three children and oversized golden doodle. Please help me welcome Nicole Phillips. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today on our Work Redefined podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Why don't you just start off by sharing a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Well, I would love to. I actually have a very big fondness for Fargo, North Dakota, which is where you are, Kelsey, I believe, because I found myself in Fargo and um, figuratively and literally. So back in 2004, my husband is a basketball coach and we were at the University of Wisconsin at Madison and he got a job as an assistant coach at North Dakota State University, NDSU in Fargo. And so I had never, ever been to Fargo before. And he said, how about it? Let's move. And so the the first time I saw Fargo was when we moved here and we got to about, if anybody knows uh, the, the highway between Madison, Wisconsin and uh, Fargo, North Dakota, you go through Fergus Falls. And in about Fergus Falls, I started to cry. (laughs) And I said, where are you taking me? And um, that was the beginning uh, of of a couple of uh, fun years, years of growth, but also years of being a young mom and feeling really um, powerless. I I felt like life was uh, becoming more and more mundane uh, the, the older that I got. And as my kids became toddlers, you know, it was hard. And I started counting the loads of laundry I was doing instead of counting the moments of laughter with my kids. And so eventually in 2011, I found myself with three small children and I, I found myself feeling that life was really pointless and passionless and kind of something to be endured. Now I, self-medicated at that time as well with alcohol and nicotine. So drinker, smoker, overeater, uh, felt really angry at my husband much of the time, um, feeling like it was his responsibility to make me happy. And it, it's so strange. I don't know, Kelsey, if you've ever felt this way before where you have everything you've ever wanted and yet, you know, in, in shelves of self-help books, and then you're still like, mm, something's missing. Have you ever felt that? 
Well, I absolutely know what you're talking about. I've talked about it with a few friends before, how no matter how many times you maybe knock down that goal or get to that next thing, you always are left wanting more and feeling slightly empty and feeling like it's still not enough. So I absolutely have felt that before. Right. So for me, it felt like nothing was enough. I was a television anchor for a while in Fargo and, and in Milwaukee and in Madison. And, you know, it just it was never enough. And so eventually I decided that I would stay home with our third child. And so it was in the summer of 2011 where I met a young mom and had this experience of kindness with her that I just, I walked away from somehow changed. It was, it was one of those wake up moments. And basically, you know, I had a conversation with a young mom. She never asked for money, but I just felt like I wanted to give her some. And um, I drove away from that interaction feeling like I owned the world. And, and essentially what had happened in that moment was I had taken my eyes off of myself and this hole that I could never fill. And I put my eyes onto other people. And that's when life changed for me. And coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, if you, you know, uh, have a faith or something like that, you, um, which I personally do, for me, I felt like at that point, God kind of intervened, uh, because I got a call from the publisher of the newspaper in Fargo, it was Forum Communications. And he said, we are starting a new section of the paper, we're looking for female writers, would you be interested in writing about, uh, he said politics was the first thing. He said, I know you used to be a television anchor. Would you write about politics? And I said, uh, no way, like not your girl. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And thank goodness, right? Because the politics don't get easier as the years go on. It gets harder, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gets messier and messier. So I said, no, thank you. And he said, well, what about uh, cooking? And I honestly, I tried to do a little video segment for the forum and, um, and basically realized that that was not my lane. Personally, I had made lasagna twice and both times forgot to put in the lasagna noodles. So for I know I might've been drinking, but let's not be judgy. Okay. This is not a judgy Mm -hmm. podcast. No, no, it's not. (laughs) We don't make judgments here. It's a judgment free zone, (laughs) judgment free zone, but Nick might've been drinking. You never know. So, um, yeah, so I just said to him, you know, I, I can't cook, I can't fake cooking. Um, this is not my jam. And so he said, well, what about parenting? Would you like to write about parenting? And I just thought about it. And I thought about what that would feel like to week after week, have a deadline to write about parenting. And I was like, no, it just doesn't interest me. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that I have learned to trust myself more and more on is to think long term. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really flattering when somebody offers you a position or an opportunity, but I have to walk that out in my mind and say, is this something I really see myself doing a year from now, two years from now? What is that time commitment really going to look like? And is it going to bring me joy? And so I said to him, you know, I'm just, I'm not interested in any of those things. And he said, well, when you figure out what you want to write about, you call me. And so sure enough, I had this interaction and with this young mom and I, I went home and I wrote down what that felt like. And it ended up becoming uh, my first column in the newspaper. Uh, They had given me a weekly column called kindness is contagious. 
and it was this beautiful opportunity I had to read people's stories of kindness. So they sent me their stories of things that happened um, to them, like how kindness had shown up at just the right moment, but also the times when they reached out in kindness and how it made them feel because there's so much science. I didn't know 10 years ago that I know now about kindness and it really does change us. And so it was so fascinating to be able to hear these stories from people and, um, and share in, in their uh, joy. No, that's, that's really amazing. And I appreciate that, that concept. I spent a little bit of time in fundraising, nonprofit fundraising, and they yeah. talked a lot about the science of giving. And so when you're talking about the science, I too have heard how, how much those, even those endorphins, when you do something nice for someone else, how to your point, it takes off that pressure and those thoughts about yourself. And you're able to really think about someone else instead and how uplifting that can be. Yeah. Well, and then the speaking career for me came because of all of those great chemicals, because within one year of writing about kindness and really focusing and being able to, to, because I had a, I had a deadline every week. So I had to make sure I was ultra focused on kindness and seeing it around me and doing it and noticing when I was the recipient within one year of that, I had totally quit drinking, quit smoking, lost 30 pounds, refell in love with my husband um, learn to control the words that were coming out of my mouth. So they weren't so negative and gossipy and they instead kind of breathed life into the world a little bit, I hope at least. Um, and so that was, so then I found myself as a writer and a speaker. And then eventually I started a podcast called the kindness podcast. And yeah, now I've got, uh, five books and, um, I'm in season five of the kindness podcast and I'm, I, get to travel around and talk about kindness. I mean, it's the best gig in the world. Sounds like a dream job. It's, <laughs> it is. My husband teases me that I, that I just randomly made up this job that I wanted to do. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> exactly what you did. Well, so tell me, I know it sounds like this one moment with this woman really kind of changed your heart and you kind of felt like that was God's sign of, Hey, this, you need to do something with this, but for those women that maybe are in more of that spot, like where you were before that happened, I mean, that one moment sounds very pivotal, but what happened within that next year? Like there had to have been some other things that you did or steps that you took, um, that got you to that point of quitting drinking, losing the weight and really finding more peace and joy in your life. I know that couldn't have happened overnight. Um, what else happened in that journey after that? Um, I have it all in this how-to book called the negativity mm -hmm. remedy. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I was going to ask about that. I'm oh. very curious without revealing that book, you should share with us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who said, would you just write a how-to book for the rest of us? Like how, how is it that somebody can burn your kids chicken tenders after you've waited for them for an hour and a half and they forgot about you and now you're not mad about that. And I was like, well, because I'm the one sitting here enjoying the, the day off and that somebody else is working um, and working their tail off to make sure that I get what I want, even though it might take a little longer. So anyway, that was a tangent of all of that. But, um, you know, it's interesting because, yes, there was that one moment um, with the young mom uh, that happened in the summertime 
but I talk in the negativity remedy about one moment so similar that happened in the middle of the winter when all of my kids were bundled up and we were at Dino Land at the mall. And um, in once I became aware of um, what I was looking for, I saw it everywhere. And so, for instance, if you're going to buy a Subaru and you're in the market for a Subaru, you will see Subarus everywhere and you will see um, uh, billboards for Subarus and you will see TV commercials for Subarus. And people think, what, like, is the, is the universe collaborating? Like, what is happening right now? Is someone watching me? And you get all freaked out. Well, no, it's, there's, there's an actual term for it. And it's, um, it's, it's natural that our brains begin to look for what we're thinking about. And so when I started thinking about the good, my brain began to look for the good. And as it began to look for the good, these four feel good chemicals were released into the body that did everything from um, lessen my anxiety to um, make me feel as if I were the recipient of, of the act of kindness each time. Um, so it was, it was a little by little by little. Same thing, Kelsey, for people who, you know, are, are trying to cut back on calories or run a triathlon. It was, you know, I ran a half marathon on my daughter's 14th birthday. This was four years ago. Have not run a step since. Just <laughs> full disclosure. But but in running that, you know, I never thought I could ever run a half marathon. Like no way. And the first day I laced up my shoes, I called a friend and I said, um, I'm going to run, um, I'm going to run a mile. I said that was, or half a mile, I'm going to run half a mile. And she said, uh, run for 10 minutes. And then the next day, you know, run for 12 minutes. And if you can push yourself the day after that run for 15 minutes. And, and it was, a few of those baby steps where all of a sudden I realized I could go way longer than that. You know, I'm not done yet. I can keep going. And so you, if those things build upon each other, those positive and negative things in your life build upon each other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, in those baby steps, like you said, of really trying to focus in, it sounds like what you focused on changed. And so with that, with that perspective change, you were actually able to even change your habits, which is really yeah. fascinating to me. Um, I guess, you know, just to shift a little bit, I would love to talk more about in the workplace. Um, I know this past, these past couple of years for many people have been very difficult. And I think there's been a lot of negative self-talk and a lot of negativity in the workplace just because of um, the situation that we're in with the pandemic. I know it's been really hard. Um, how can companies maybe work towards spreading more kindness um, and making that more top of mind in this challenging in the challenging times that we're in. Mm -hmm. Well, if I can break that into two parts, Kelsey, the Absolutely. first is just to be really authentic and to tell people that in uh, the spring of 2021, I hit that wall of burnout and just said, I can't do this anymore. And um, COVID was a part of it. You know, I'm, I'm a speaker that travels around. I get on get to get on an airplane. I get to stay in a hotel, like the things that I love to do. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So like, let's go do something fun. And, um, 
And all of a sudden I found myself behind a computer trying to inspire a crowd of people who, you know, might be washing dishes as they're listening to me. And I, I was burnt out. I was done. And so I took a sabbatical for the summer, um, and came back in August of 2021 ready and, and able to determine exactly what it was I needed to keep myself healthy personally and exactly what I needed to do to make sure I was in my lane work-wise. And so that, that's the first part of it, because when I, I couldn't be a kind leader, I have a team of three women and I, I couldn't lead them. I couldn't show them kindness as I wanted to, because I was tapped out. And so one of the things I would say for um, businesses, for companies, for leaders, especially, um, is to slow down. And I, I know that kind of seems counterproductive, but I will tell you, uh, there's a woman in my town who I live in Aberdeen, South Dakota, by the way, and she, um, she's having a, a baby. So now she's cutting back on things, but she owned uh, a, a place called Colorful Creations. It's an art studio. And then she uh, was doing a podcast with someone. And then she was also, uh, she started a, this great new venue called Market on the Plaza, this coffee and entertainment place and all these things. But every time I went into Colorful Creations or Market on the Plaza, Carly would stop and she would come over to me and as calm and as peaceful as a person could be, she'd say, how are you today? Are you having a good day? What's new in your world? And then after a you know, three to five minute conversation, she would turn and walk away and do the next thing she had to do. But in that moment, when she was present with me, she was present. And I even said to her, Carly, I've just have noticed this about you. And it's so beautiful. And it's so kind. And, and I can't figure out <laughs> how you do it, because I feel like you should be going so fast, because you have all these things you have to do, you should be frantic. And, you know, mm -hmm. she just said, frantic's not important, people are important. And, um, and I thought, yeah, you know, why do we place this, this badge of honor on being busy? You know, ooh, I look really busy. And so I have said to my, to my people, like, if I ever tell you I'm too busy for you, um, call me out on it because I don't want my friends. I don't want my teammates. I don't want my family to ever hear me say I'm too busy for you. Mm. Why do you think we place such a weight on being busy and see that as such a badge of honor? Why do you think that's a thing? I think it just comes down to productivity. Like we all want to have a purpose. We all want to know that we were needed on this earth. And sometimes that purpose we're trying to fill isn't the one that, that God intended for us. It's just one that we created for ourselves. Mm. Well, and I know you mentioned too, um, in some of the notes I had previously from you about boundaries. So I think now would be maybe a good time to go into that because we're talking about how easy it is to get so busy and be running so fast, but it sounds like, you know, this concept of healthy boundaries and slowing down is something that you're really passionate about. Um, so maybe first, um, I guess in your perspective, what are some healthy boundaries that individuals should set in their lives to make sure that they're not putting such a heavy weight in, in that pride in being too busy? 
Mm -hmm. Well, I think that there's a step right before creating those boundaries. And it's, um, it's a little bit of brainstorm, but it's figuring out what you need each day to stay healthy. So I know, and to be joyful, right? So, and when I say healthy, I mean healthy in all ways. And so for me, I know that every day I need to read something. I need to write something. I need to move my body and I need to be moved emotionally. So I need to read, write, move, and be moved. And if at the end of the day, I can say those four things happen, then I know I'm on course. I'm where I'm supposed to be. So the, the issue comes with boundaries, I think, um, because sometimes the boundaries we are setting don't necessarily have to be boundaries we're setting against or between ourselves and someone else. Sometimes they're boundaries for ourselves. Like, you know what? I do not need to be on Instagram when my children are in the living room with me. Like, I don't need to even hold my phone when the kids are in the living room with me. I could put my phone, let's say, over there. So that might be a boundary that I create for myself. Um, and then I, um, I turn my phone off at night. Um, some people don't my, I am married to a husband who is a night owl. So I say to him, um, and the kids know, and our relatives know, you know, if you need something in the middle of the night, you call Saul because, um, and there's a show better call Saul. So, um, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So if you need something better, call Saul because Nicole is going to be sleeping because I know that I cannot logically deal with drama at two in the morning. And sometimes drama isn't really drama. It's a friend who maybe had a little too much to drink and all of a sudden wants to talk about, you know, their husband or their boyfriend or whatever. And, and so, you know, like if it's really important, Saul can wake me up and we can take care of it together. But as far as allowing myself to be accessible to everyone at all times of the day, no, that's not healthy for me. So that would be one of the boundaries um, I would say I put in place between myself and other people. And then, you know, between myself and my electronics <laughs> as well. But just this idea for me, boundaries means we get to create margin in our life. And margin is the space where kindness lives because it means we have slowed down We've got a little bit of space to breathe between this thing and the next thing. And um, when we have a little bit of space to breathe and to slow down and to honestly, Kelsey, even go to the bathroom, have a mm -hmm. granola bar, whatever it is you need, mm -hmm. um, then we're open for kindness. Mm. I love that. I um, recently was just reviewing to the top um, kind of what rest means and the different ways that we can rest. And one of the things they were mentioning is just simply eating your lunch without checking your email while you're doing it. Um, that concept of actually enjoying your food and taking time to pause. And I think we often really forget how much better we feel after we've taken those pauses and slowed down um, and how, even though we're not being productive, it's actually really helping us feel better and be more available and be able to give others a best, our best version of ourselves. So I love what you said about taking time to even just have a granola bar or yes. go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like, you know, one of the things that we can do, uh, some of the best advice that I ever got as far as slowing down for other people is a really simple thing that everyone can do in their workplace. And that is when you send an email, 
um, if you are like me, you are hearing the email and you formulate the answer and you say, -la 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 -la, you know, and you've just written down your answer, right? You typed out your answer. So uh, Bob Goff taught me, he's a, um, a writer and a speaker and um, Bob taught me <laughs> the trick of going back for 30 seconds and writing the, the intro and then the conclusion to that email. So instead of me just spitting out whatever the answer is, I spit it out first, then I go back and I say, hey, Kelsey, you know what? I um, am so excited to be on your show. I think it's going to be really fun. And by the way, I just, I, I admire you so much. This is such a neat thing that you're doing. Um, and yes, I am available to be on it. Blah, 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 blah. You know, um, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So adding kind of that, um, instead of just sending the response, you're adding a little bit of that warmth to the beginning yes. the end. That is, that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. That, yes. that will yes. really allow that person to not only feel like you're responding, but you're also acknowledging them as a person. Yes. And that you're not too busy for them. Mm. So it goes back to that. Yes. Well, and it's funny because that leads me to another thought around the differences between females and males in the mm -hmm. workplace, because I think to your point about the email and, and adding in that warmth and that, you know, kind intro um, and that, that outro as well, just thinking about um, like the fact that I find, I have found now this is a stereotype, but I have found oftentimes in the workplace that men tend to interact over email and even on the phone and even in meetings in a way that's a little bit more to the point. Now, not always, um, but women tend to really need and want that, that warmth intertwined in their communication. What insights or thoughts do you have on, on that side of it? I giggle because my husband and I have had this conversation for the past 20 years because he is a basketball coach. So everything is fast. You know, his communication with his players is fast. It's now it's direct. And honestly, I have learned the art of that a little bit because there is, there was part of me that really needed to just say what I was thinking. You know, it, I cannot expect my team to get to read between the lines and to guess what I meant when I said, you know, I want you to kind of think about you know, this project, well, do you want them to think about it or do you want them to do it? Or do you want them to release it and be done with it? What, what, what really do you want? And so Saul has really taught me that it's okay to be direct. But the other thing that we talk about that's so funny is that when there are communication issues on my team, because even a kindness team is going to have, you know, things that you have to work through when we have those issues we spend a lot of time because we're all women talking it out and working it out. Whereas my husband leads a team um, of basketball players, but he also leads a team of assistant coaches. And with his assistant coaches, you know, if something happens dramaful there, because it does anytime people work together, it's so fast. The conclusion of it is so fast. It's like somebody says something, um, my, my husband will give a directive and, and the assistant won't like it and will say something and Saul will come back and say something else. And then it's done. They go mm -hmm. home and they're done for the day. 
yep. no more drama. So I, I have no idea, but I think it's important as a leader of a team to know what it is your team might need. And well, I'm still working on that. <laughs> and wouldn't you kind of agree that for a leader who's working with maybe both male and female and different personalities, that it's probably always better to err on the side of caution. And we've, like you said, some of that, that warmth and that kindness into your communication, rather than just assuming that everyone else communicates straight to the point, like you, if that's your style. Right. Yes. Yeah. And people have said to me, well, you know, a leader can't always be kind. And I disagree with that. Uh, I think a leader can always be kind because um, there's a difference, you know, between nice and kind and whatever. We can get into semantics about yeah. it. But but the truth of the matter is it's the way in which I say something. Um, I might have to tell you that we can no longer work together, but I don't have to say it in a way that makes you feel like this was all for you. This is all your blame. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing about kindness when it comes to, um, being just a human is that there's not just kindness to somebody else. If you are kind to somebody else and it is sucking the life out of you, it is not kind to you because mm -hmm. every time you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. So if you're saying yes to, um, yes, I can go to this corporate luncheon with you, even though I don't need to go and I don't want to go, you know, um, you might be saying yes to that, but no to that break that you really needed in the day. So kindness goes toward other people, but it also goes toward yourself. Hmm. I love that. I hadn't thought of that concept before of because I, I know I think a lot about what what do you say yes to what do you say no to but that concept of when you say yes to something that you actually are not excited about and aren't invested in that's actually not kind to yourself and probably in return ends up not being kind to that person as well because it's ingenuine yes absolutely and so do you want this great piece of advice this one-liner I, <laughs> I i think it was i don't know maybe eight years ago i read this book called uh the best yes by a woman named lisa turkhurst and so in the best yes basically she teaches that you can just say to someone wow that sounds really great but it's not my best yes right now and so basically what you're saying is is I'm not going to give you an excuse. I'm I because I don't need to. I don't need to tell you that I just want to snuggle my dog tonight, right? Um, so we're not giving excuses. We're not trapping ourselves in lies. We're being really authentic, and we're just saying, "I'm I'm afraid that's not my best yes this time. Thanks mm -hmm. for asking. I'm honored you asked. That's not my best yes. Um, mm -hmm. Because that then again going back to if you say yes to something you're saying no to something else so you want to say yes to everything which one of those things is the best yes and that's the one you say yes to how do you think people can differentiate between that i mean what recommendations do you give when people are trying to decide how do i know truly because sometimes you're like i think i want to say yes but maybe i don't and again back to the boundaries like how do i truly know um, where my best yes should go and what that should be towards. I run it through my personal cheerleaders. I have um, a group of friends that know me 
probably better than I know myself. And they also can see what's on my schedule and they can see what's on the horizon that I have perhaps forgotten about. So mm -hmm. I will, and these aren't even my, this isn't even my work team. This is, these are personal friends. Um, and, you know, we all have a Marco Polo group together, which is a great app to speak mm -hmm. to people face to face. Um, and I'll go on there and I'll say, hey, you know, I was asked to be on the board of directors for this thing. What do you think? And then I'll hear them chime in. <laughs> They'll say, are, there have been times where we've said to each other, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> no, this is a big fat no. And I'm like, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. And then there've been times when, when the answer has been, you know what, that is going to fill your soul more than you think it is, Nick. You gotta, you gotta lean into that one a little bit more. So to me, that's, that's, if it's not a definite yes or no, in my mind, I take it to the board of directors, which are my girlfriends. <laughs> That's so, um, that's such a good reminder, Nicole, because I know oftentimes I just go to my mom or my husband or just, you know, one person that's really close to me. But I think that's something that I'm going to take away from today is I think when I'm faced with some decisions, going to my, my friends too, that know me really, really well, because sometimes my husband might have a great opinion or feedback on something, but if I really took it to my friends that knew me well, they might have some different advice for me. Um, especially when it comes to, like you said, I know recently I got asked to volunteer for a nonprofit, um, event planning. And so that was the decision that was really hard for me. And I think I should have run it by some friends first. And so just things like that, where, um, yeah. those bigger decisions and those bigger commitments, I think, uh, I love that advice. Thanks. Yeah. It's worked for me so far. And, um, you know, it's something we all just kind of came up with and created together. That's so cool. I love that. Um, well, one thing you touched on earlier that I wanted to backtrack to was you were talking a little bit about leadership and how you truly can be a kind leader. And I, I want a little bit more to dig into that. Um, just as far as I know that sometimes leaders, especially women, I find even feel like they have to be so firm and kind of come across as this, you know, having authority and that really oftentimes happens at the expense of being kind. So mm -hmm. what advice do you have for how can you be a really strong leader while always maintaining that kindness factor? So I talk a lot, if you haven't realized during this podcast, but as a leader, I also like to listen a lot. So I'm not formulating my answer. I'm not formulating my next directive. I'm simply trying to hear and understand your perspective of this situation or this project or whatever it is we're working on. So to me, people want to be validated. They want to know that they matter, right? I want to know I matter. You want to know you matter. Everybody wants to know that, that in, in, by being heard, uh, we can be by listening so that other people are heard. We can be really strong leaders without ever having to worry about, am I being kind? Because if you are really listening, you are being kind. Mm. So that biggest piece of advice you would say is just truly being a better listener. Um, and I know you mentioned, it sounds like showing people that they're valued. 
I know I read an article recently that um, I think it truly stated they did some research that stated that the number one reason why people were leaving their jobs is because they offered up feedback and it went unheard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even if you're going to offer up feedback and you can't implement it, you know, if the leader can't implement it, the leader can at least listen and acknowledge and say, okay. So for me, what we say in our, on the kindness team is we're going to put that in the garage because I don't ever want people to not bring ideas to the table, um, mm-hmm. whether it's the idea for a new book or a podcast guest or a partnership with somebody. Um, we, we come up with the best ideas ever, but there's no way we can do all of the ideas and certain seasons are busier than others for us. So we, um, I'll say, let, I love it. Let's put it in the garage. Um, and so that means basically we put it in a file on the computer not the trash file, <laughs> but we put it in a file in the computer so that we have this running list of things that we either want to uh, incorporate or change or start or, you know, all of that. It's, it's, it, I think it helps people know that their idea mattered. Mm. But honestly, Kelsey, when, when we talk about it, like all of the things build upon each other, the, to create a kind, strong leader. So we're talking about talk about the boundaries. We talk about the slowing down and really talking to somebody and looking them in the eye and hearing them. Um, you know, you talk about, about listening to someone and giving them that time, the creating the margins, it all adds up to someone who is strong and confident and knows their place, but doesn't have to over assert themselves into your place. Hmm. I love that. That's so good. And I feel like just exactly what you said, everything, it all really builds upon itself. And I think it starts with, to your point way back in the beginning, what is it that you're focusing on? Mm-hmm. Focusing on driving and success and fast pace and all of that, you'll end up running people over. Um, but if you're focusing on the kindness and that pause and making sure that you're really in tune with those around you. I've, I've really loved your perspective on that today. I think that's awesome. Thanks. Thanks. There's one other great um, resource. I know I talked about the best yes with Lisa Turkhurst and um, but Shanti Feldhahn is a woman who's done a lot of research on interpersonal relationships. And if you have someone in your life, whether it's in your work life or your personal life, who drives you nuts. Like you just cannot stand this person. Um, it is our natural reaction and instinct to want to go home and tell our partner, like, Oh, they did this again. Or if that person is our partner, then we go tell a a friend like, Oh, my husband did. Um, and so I, I love this book. It's called, um, the kindness challenge. And it's by Shanti Feldhahn. And basically it is just this idea, like it's 30 days, 30 day kindness challenge. And, and she talks about how you relate to someone changes how you see them and then how you relate to them in the future. So it goes back to that whole thing. What you focus on is what you'll see, you know, what you're looking for is what you'll see. If you're looking for all the ways in which they're going to drive you nuts, you're going to find them. But if you can flip that perspective and, and agree that you will not say something uh, about that person, those, those words will never leave your lips. Um, and instead only edifying words will lead your, leave your lips. 
uh, it really changes um, the relationship. Mm, I can relate to that on so many levels because I think back to a job that I had a long time ago. It wasn't my job at Northwestern Mutual, like we talked about. It was a different one, but um, <laughs> job that I had where every day I would go home from work and I would complain to my husband. I would be frustrated and every day I would go to work, I hated it more. And it was the more negative I talked about it and externalized it. And then he would just try to console me and it just, it consumed all my thoughts. And I think even when it comes to burnout um, and what we talk about with burnout at the burnout prevention project, a lot of it is changing the way you're thinking about your work because if, if you're constantly thinking about, oh, it's so negative and all of these negative things, then you're just going to be on that downward spiral yeah. where instead, if you focus on, no, I'm, I can do this. I'm stronger. I'm resilient. Um, how much more of a positive impact that can have. And I, I just love that concept. So what was her name? One more time. Shanti Feldhahn. H-A-U-N-T-I. And it's the 30 day kindness challenge. Okay. Well, as we look to close here, Nicole, um, first, my first question, I have two questions for you. My first one is, are there any last pieces of advice just based on what we've talked about today, who you are, what you do, any last recommendations for our listeners when it comes to just showing kindness? Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I know I have one. I know <laughs> it's sometimes it just takes a second to pull it, pull it out of the reserves there. Um, I really think it's important to expect the best, whether mm -hmm. you're walking into a meeting, whether you are talking with a receptionist at a, a, the hospital or something, expect people to be kind because you will approach them differently. Your body language will be different than if you expect to be met with defiance um, or anger. You know, it's our body posture and our tone takes on um, a more aggressive nature when we expect to be, you know, having to put up our dukes. So if we can expect people to be kind, um, so often, so often they will meet us there. Hmm. I love that. I love that concept of just, especially if there's someone at work, I think a lot of people listening probably have that one person or those two people at work that maybe they butt heads with, or like you said earlier, maybe it's someone in their personal life, whether it's a spouse, but, um, going into that conversation and expecting it to be a positive experience. I think that's fantastic. Um, I guess my last question today would be, how can we support you or follow you? I'll, I'll put a number of things in the show notes, but I know you have a number of books. I know Aww. obviously you have your kindness podcast. Um, how else can our listeners support you, Nicole? Well, I sure appreciate you asking that. Um, my website is NicoleJPhillips.com and it's, um, I have an email subscription list. And so it's always nice for book publishers to see that that number is growing. And um, so that really, that really means a lot to me. The other thing that also means a lot to me are um, uh, the reviews of books. If you've read a book and, and you've enjoyed it, you know, go on Goodreads or Amazon or wherever and, um, and leave a review on it. And then the same thing with the kindness podcast. If you listen to it somewhere and you can leave a review, it's so interesting how, how that works with analytics and how important it is that 
you know, that, that people leave their feedback. Mm. So thanks for asking that. That was so nice. Absolutely, Nicole. Well, no, we want to make sure our guests, we can support them in their journey too. That's very important to us. So very appreciative of your time today, Nicole. I have taken away so many little nuggets. I definitely think we should have you on again in the future. Um, This has been so much fun visiting with you today. I have loved this. It has been absolutely my best. Yes. So thank you so much, Kelsey. (laughs) 